0: Welcome to PTBC Podcast, where we will be speaking about innovation, technology, growing your business, and maximizing your entrepreneurial potential. Let's get get down down to to business. Hey everyone, welcome back to the PTBC Podcast. This is Justin here, and I have a very special guest today. We have Lauren Roberts. Lauren is a clinic owner and founder of The Running Physio, a niche physiotherapy clinic in downtown Toronto. With her vast experience as a clinician, a runner, and as a coach, she de- developed a unique three-cornerstone approach to treating runners of all levels at her clinic. Soon, Lauren will welcome the news addition to her family, um, hopefully sometime in June. Congrats. Um, it's been a wild uh, 2020 for you. Um, now, without further ado, let's get down to business. How are you doing today, Lauren?
1: I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, And yes, it's been a bit of a wild ride in 2020, I think, for many of us. But um, yeah, there's been a a lot of crazy things happening this year already.
0: Totally, totally. Now, the first question we always ask uh, in terms of with our guests is we want to learn a little bit more about your story as to how you got into physiotherapy. And uh, I know you have a pretty interesting story. I know you have a vast experience, you know, as a runner. Um, So why why don't we start off with that?
1: So physio was um, sort of one of those things that I didn't know that much about. Like I think most physios when they first sort of they decide they maybe want to apply, and they think, "Oh, it's all sports, and I like to work with athletes." Uh, but I had noticed, sort of early on in my life, that I felt like I didn't really fit into any one category of aptitude tests. So I was always like a little bit interested in business, and always a little bit interested in health, and would would always click the different MSN articles on nutrition, <laughs> um, and I liked. Science a little bit, but I never felt like I had like one particular calling going into a direction. Um, In fact, that was almost sort of like made my life a little bit difficult growing up because I was interested in so many things. Uh, And I had a hard time just kind of saying, like, I want to do just this. So I think as I went through school, um, it became a little bit more clear that health in its own sort of right is multifaceted. And you can definitely have an interest in business and in health. And so when I decided to apply to physio, I, I sort of knew right off the bat that uh, I didn't know that I would like it for its it's purity. And I knew I probably wouldn't be like a traditional hospital physio, but I had this feeling that I could probably at least take the skills that I would learn from school and turn it into something over the next, you know, two or three decades that would at least bring me some, some life satisfaction and that I felt I could really make my own. And, uh, I think I think I've done that I, I love the career I, I love the profession and I love the freedom that exists within it despite what I think a lot of people might originally think of it when they think about the job
0: mm-hmm, totally um, you mentioned a really good point there about just learning about the business right and, and having that kind of integrated with you know healthcare right Could you talk a little bit more about what kind of what appealed to you in terms of learning about the business like why you know when you first graduated why, why did that appeal to you? And, and you know, what did you start to read as you start to develop as a physiotherapist?
1: Oh my gosh. So hopefully I don't get any like hate messages for this, but <laughs> I actually think that physios are really bad at business in general. <laughs> and I mean, I can't paint everyone with the same brush, but, um, I actually, as a slight sidebar, I actually tend to avoid most physio webinars and I mean, I'm not gonna say conferences because I like to know what's going on in the profession from a conference perspective, but mm-hmm. a lot of things that are really sort of like here's how to run your physio business, I, I actually tend to avoid because I think that the the messaging um, and the thinking behind it is very tired. And I think as a profession, it's very tired and it it needs a little bit of the paddles put onto it a bit. Yeah. And I think we you know we've seen in the last decade that the, the TENS clinics and the ice pack clinics are slowly, slowly starting to, to feel a bit of a burn as the newer physios who are looking for, um, you know, a more meaningful business are starting to come up and be active players in the profession but one thing I kind of realized really quickly right off the bat is if you want to get into business and you want to be successful at it you have to do something better oh. but in and again maybe I'm going to get hated on for this but in the the physio realm to me it didn't seem like it was that hard to do it a little bit better than a mm-hmm. lot of people were doing yeah. it Yeah. you know yeah. and there was so much space and so much room to say like wow we know that all of these things are not that great. And like these clinics aren't that great. And all we have to do is, is put a little bit of thought and a bit of heart and a little bit of, of good sound effort and build a team of people that share those ideas together. And I'm pretty sure we'll be successful.
0: Totally. Totally. You know? I think, you know, what you said earlier about just the the clinics with tens and, and ultrasound and IFCs, right. There's so many clinics out there, right? There's so many, you go on every street, there's so many clinics out there, but there's so many clinics with outdated models of care, right? I think that, you know, for the newer clinics to truly innovate, right? It's, I think that there is so much room for, for, for growth, right? To do Mm -hmm. things differently and to change people's perception of what rehab is, right? I think A lot of people, you know, when you ask them, oh, what is physio? Oh, it's the, uh, it's the, it's a hot pack. It's the ultrasound, right? Oh, it's a, it's a rubber band, right? And I think that like what you guys are doing with the running physio, which we'll get into later on, I think you guys are doing a lot to, to innovate and to change our current conversation with, with what physio is, right? So with that being said, can you tell me a little bit more about, you know, how you started the running physio and kind of just the whole background behind that
1: yeah right on and i love that comment that you made about the innovation piece because that's like to me that's what being a business owner is all about you know is is taking something that is is a little bit you know whether you want to say outdated or stale and then flipping it on its head but still keeping your intrinsic skill set and turning it into something awesome and like That I think is, that's what gets me up in the morning. That's what keeps me motivated is just saying, you know, this, this has sort of been done this way for a long time and you know, you can accept it and it might work or there's a better way of doing it. And I think, so when I opened the running physio, um, the main thing that happened prior to then was i was treating at a fantastic clinic in toronto i was was working at synergy sports medicine i'm happy to give them a a nice shout out because they really kind of were the big platform i would say for me my jumping off point into the the private physio world and uh, at the time i was running a lot by myself i was like pretty pretty knee deep in the triathlon world as well, quite competitively. And so just by by default and by being so involved in in that sort of endurance sports world, I was seeing a lot of patients that were um, runners or triathletes or cyclists with similar types of problems and injuries. And I want to say um, maybe after about, I want to say maybe a year or so of treating these folks, it all of a sudden just dawned on me that they had the same questions. They were seeing the same sort of styles of practitioners that were getting them kind of like a little bit better, but not fully. And they were Googling the same kind of crappy information. And it became so obvious that there was this whole, space or gap for better education and better teaching in that running and endurance sport world Mm -hmm. and it was funny to me because it seemed so obvious like i was just doing what i was normally doing as a physio but the the repetition of questions and the repetition of previous sort of poor information that people had was it just became so glaring to me and I remember I was biking home one day from work and I thought like I think this is a business like I think there's enough of this (laughs) (laughs) that that I can make a a go of it or I feel like I maybe owe it to myself to to try because if it's not a you know a full-blown business with you know, several clinicians, I think maybe it's at my aisle and maybe I can try my hand at it and see yeah. kind of where it goes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's amazing. I think that yeah. that speaks to this gap that, you know, crazy exists in in our profession, even in, in, in this industry is that, um, you know, I think people, how should I say, are, there's a lot of, information out there right but there's also a lot of misinformation right and it's sometimes what is true what isn't true right especially with the with the rise of you know social media social media has a ton of benefits ton of benefits but at the same time there's also some drawbacks as well right but you know just going to kind of how you start your practice right and especially i know that you uh recently not recently uh but within the last couple years started to teach uh, the running some type of running component at U of T which is where I graduated and when I found that fun found that out I was like oh this is so cool I wish I had like a elective like this where I could run uh, where I can learn about running right so could you tell to tell us a little bit more about how that kind of started and you know that your journey towards actually moving into the curriculum because yeah yeah oh
1: my gosh so good so I think once So it's actually a great follow up question from the last one. So once I figured out that this was indeed sort of like a viable niche, um, I left Synergy on fantastic terms, part-time to start. And I found this, this little spot in the annex on DuPont street. That was like one room, uh, basically the size of a a bedroom, but it was big enough for me to have a table and loops. And you know, when you're actually paying for your own space, you realize you can get away in this profession with like quite minimal equipment. Like you don't actually need all that much, right? Um, Just a table, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. And, And so pretty much within the first four months, my schedule was absolutely packed. I uh, left Synergy. Um, The only place I really put a lot of money into, and even then it wasn't that much money, was a really good website. And I wanted the branding on point. Because in my mind, I thought if I was going to be sort of like the, the maverick of treating runners in the city, I want this to be done properly from the get go. And I don't want to have to go back and be revising my brand if it ends up becoming something good. So I poured a bit of money into that, rented this space. And then yeah, four weeks, sorry, four months later, I um, hired another physio actually to to join me. And so when that happened, I suddenly had this sort of like, uh, realization that the knowledge that I had was going to need to be put into some kind of teaching process because all of a sudden success was taking on a different meaning of, of saying, well, I'm not just, I don't want to be successful as my own physio, you know, doing my own thing. I want this brand to be successful and I want other physios to want to jump on the bus and join me because this is a, pretty fun adventure so far and i think it's getting better but in order to do that you have to be sure you know that that your product or your service has some kind of consistency to it you know it's like the it's like the mcdonald's and the the hamburger stories like if you go to mcdonald's you know what kind of hamburger you're going to get and that's why you go to mcdonald's mm-hmm. and not to say that i needed all my physios to be exactly the same but we needed to have some kind of consistency within um our company that would make us trustworthy and that would make us reliable. And so um, I started thinking about like, okay, so what is it that I, I did differently when I was first starting to treat these runners and what were the patterns that they were coming in with and why were they not getting better seeing other clinicians or going to other clinics? And from that, the sort of the three cornerstone model was was born in a sense that um, I realized there were sort of three main components of, of what we do at the clinic and that makes the the sort of the template, I guess, if you should say, the customizable template so successful is you don't leave any rock unturned. So you 100% need to look at your biomechanics and your range of motion, your strength and the very, you know, quote, unquote, traditional physio skill set. But then you also have to know how somebody is actually running, (laughs) you know, and like the number of people that come in and, and they would say, well, I had this knee pain and I did some exercises and I would say, well, has anyone actually like seen how you're running? Yeah. And like most people say no. And so that just is built in to what we do, you know, like usually by second or third appointment, someone's on the treadmill. And then even part B of that is, so what are you looking at when they're running and how does that compare or negate or support what your biomechanical thoughts were? Cause those things got to jive just because somebody has dynamic valgus in a single leg squat doesn't mean they run that way. So you have to take those findings and put them together. And then the third piece, and I think this is why the running literature is so, so, so convoluted, is that sort of lifestyle piece. So, you know, there's a huge difference in treating someone training for their first 5K versus their 10th marathon. That's like a total different population of people. Mm -hmm. And so you then have to take those biomechanical factors and the gait factors and the lifestyle factors, including things like sleep, stress, nutrition. I guess we're going to go a bit more biopsychosocial with this stuff, right? And then bring that in. And so all of a sudden you've you've got sort of a bit of a template so yes. that you can make decisions and start to weigh in and out how many what's important, sorry, sort of through that template. Yeah. And as you start to to develop some finesse with that,
2: yeah.
1: people like they, they get better because you haven't missed anything, totally, you know.
0: Totally. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. So that's, that was sort of, um, from there U of T approached me and said, you know, we've had a lot of interest in, uh, people looking to search for any runners and I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And so it almost <laughs> sort of forced me to get this on paper, you know, right. up until then it had been sort of a concept in my head, but it, it forced me to put a PowerPoint together and, yeah. uh, which was a good thing in retrospect, because even since then it's, it's grown to be a bit more complex. Yeah. yeah
0: it's funny because um i actually saw some of your what i call like learning times on instagram and i'm like mm-hmm. i'm like oh this is so cool like like i wanted to be a part of this like can i just come down to the clinic and just like you know hop in on like whatever day it is <laughs> you know, yeah. get to learn right because i think that there's there's so much you know valuable knowledge that you guys can bring out there and and i really love how didn't only tie in the biomechanics but you taught you tied in more of the Kind of the actual activity itself right and and, see, and seeing and assessing how these people are moving right i think that's so important with any sport that you're doing right for you it's your your niche is more runners right but let's say you're getting back to someone back to hockey or powerlifting, right you need to see how they perform in their sport right i mean like obviously when you do a you know functional assessment or a movement assessment right you see uh, certain uh, how should i say limitations in terms of range of motion and strength, but you need to see how they perform in their sport because that is a totally different setting, right? And then lastly, just bring in the whole kind of biopsychosocial lifestyle, right? I think that's so important. I think that, you know, at times can be missed, tying everything together, like, like, I totally love that. Now, having said that, you you have a very niche population in terms of what you, with who you work with, sorry. Has there been any challenges um, in terms of limiting your, clientele to like we're not limiting but just kind of focusing on a specific uh, niche has there any even challenges with that
1: of course um the biggest niche practices aren't for everyone uh i i always sort of say if you are an entrepreneur looking to get into a niche practice like that's arguably one of the hardest things to do because There's no one to follow, right? And to some people, that suits them. Like to me, that suits me because I like to to sort of make my own rules in life a little bit, (laughs) which is probably why I opened a business in the first place. But people who go into running and I would even say working in niche businesses um, very much cannot be afraid of failure. And they can't see failure as being the opposite of success. They have to view failure as being part of it, because there is no, there's no template for this, right? And so you kind of have to go a little bit, you know, you got to go for it a little bit, and you can't be paralyzed by what books are saying and by what webinars are saying. You kind of got to just try something and see how it works out. And so, Yeah, there's challenges around that, you know, like I can list, I can think offhand of about four or five different things that we kind of tried and we were like, "Mm, that didn't go right. But then for, then all of a sudden something does go and somebody bites on something and and you see that, you know, this small idea that maybe you didn't even think was a good idea becomes a better idea Mm -hmm. and then you can run with it. And now you've innovated something. (laughs) But you very much, if something comes out as a quote unquote failure, whether that be from a monetary basis in a sense that it's not making money um, from a monetary basis in a sense that you spent money on something and it didn't sort of pan out, whether it be you didn't manage your team in a way that the outcome, you know, you wanted a different outcome and it didn't happen. That happens all the time. And I would, think it happens a little more in the niche world than it does in the more sort of traditional model world. But, and so you have to be okay with that. You can't be too personal. You have to very much see, and this is, I guess, sort of a bit metaphorical for physio too, is if something is, isn't is good, if your patient comes back and they're not getting better, you can't be emotional about it. You just have to say, well, what, why was this? And what happened here? right? Mm-hmm. And then from there, you can start to adjust your treatment plan or adjust your business plan in a way that always almost kind of improves them right you know when your patient comes back and they're not good how you almost learn more from those sessions (laughs) totally. you know because they're they're like well I'm not really happy I I went running and it made my issue worse and you're like well we know it's too early for that
0: (laughs) you know like
1: yeah yeah Mm -hmm. I,
0: I think you brought up a really good point there just in terms of there's no book there's no script there's no formula out there especially with you know going into niche practice right and a lot of it is just trial and error, right? You 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 try something, you test it out, and it's very similar to physio treatment too. It's like you know, as as you start out as a new practitioner, right? Yeah, you have this quote unquote framework as what you follow, but then a lot of it is just test and retest, right? It's so like you test something out, you test the treatment, mm-hmm. and then you reassess after to see how it goes, right? And you know, for you, it's 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 amazing that it's it's uh, you know, you just kept testing testing and retesting your product. And, in, you know, in, a, in the span of a couple of years, you guys are where you are today, right? Now, yeah. I'm, I'm curious as to, you know, if, if, if you had any recommendations for, you know, future client owners who wanted to start a niche physiotherapy practice, you know, what, w- what would you say to them? What would you say to someone that just, you know, they're like, you know, I want to start something with this specific population. What would you say to that person? The
1: first thing I would say is you need to feel like treating in that niche is like, second nature to you. So you need to know your skill set needs to be basically to the point where when they tell you their subjective story, you are probably 90% right in what you're expecting the next 10 to 20 minutes of that assessment to be. Yeah. Because the the amount of things that start to compete for your energy When you open any practice or any business, truly, I think this is probably the same for most entrepreneurs, but especially in niche practice, there's so much energy that gets expended in the figuring out processes that if you're already tapped out of energy from treating all day, you will not have enough left to build your team, trial and error, different marketing techniques, figure out processes for front desk, uh, problem solve like all the other things that happen. You know, like my day, yeah. even though I, I still like treating quite a bit, treating is the easiest part of my day. Yep. You totally. know, like it, it's just second nature to me at this point in time. And there's not a, there's not a ton that comes through my office doors that really stumps me sometimes. And in fact, I usually am kind of happy when that happens because it means I've got to use my physio brain so actively to like problem solve <laughs> a little bit, but you won't have enough to go around if you're not super confident in what your niche is and I think partly that's just time I think it's experience and I think it's being legitimately interested in what you're doing because intuitively when you really care about what you're doing like you just spend your time in it you know Yeah. Um, yeah like I don't know if you if people buy into Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours thing, but you know, the more hours you spend submerged in something, the more sort of second nature it comes to you. And especially, you know, physios, I could go on about this, but we tend not to have a ton of proper formal business knowledge means you are figuring out a lot of stuff and it's super energy training.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. So you got you got to be okay with that, right? So yeah, if you really want to focus on those things that arguably are are just as or more important as your personal treatment, yeah. you got to know your stuff inside and out before you're thinking about teaching others.
0: Okay. Totally, totally. And mm-hmm. you know, as therapists, right, we're physiotherapists first, right? So we were trained with okay, like work on your clinical skills, you know, work on working with patients, right? But we're not taught these business skills, right? And I feel like a lot of times, a lot of new clinic owners they get stuck in working in the business, right? Where they work, like they they are the business as opposed to working on the business. I think that's a key distinction there. It's like if you're retreating all the time, right? Um, yeah, you're gonna be getting you know good client outcomes, right? But is your business is it is it actually growing, right? Are you focusing on marketing? Are you focusing on operations? Are you focusing on you know the branding, right? So, um, and that's that's funny because that's kind of how we all started, you know, our podcast in the first place is that there's a lack of of business information or quality business business information out there, right? And so what better way than to get people, physiotherapists, entrepreneurs, clinic owners that have done that, that have gone through the experience, right? And have that knowledge translation with, you know, our listeners, right? With that being said, in terms of, you mentioned you wanted to brand the running physio in a certain way in the beginning. you spent a lot of time thinking about that. Can you tell me a little bit more about, what that kind of identity was like, how did you, like, what, what was the conception? Tell me a little bit more about your marketing strategy for with that.
1: Yeah. Marketing is my jam. I love marketing. (laughs) It's just so fun to me and it's so fascinating. It's like such a cool mix of, of human psychology with socialization and conditioning. And like, I I just think it's so, it's so fascinating. Um, So originally with, with the running physio, I felt like, um, traditionally kind of similar to the physio world. And there was some overlap here was that a lot of runners and physios, like they take themselves so seriously. And I think it's probably that type a personality or very goal oriented. Um, very, everything needs to be quite perfect. And I felt like there was a, a bit of space in that still a professional world in the professional healthcare world for a bit more playfulness, you know, and from a physio lens, I think people get, better more when they like what they're doing and when you're prescribing exercises that they understand and maybe even enjoy like shocker, (laughs) you know, compliance is better when people (laughs) understand and enjoy what they're doing versus just like take this handout and go and do these, even though you don't know why. And like, you're, you don't really like doing them. And then even in the running world, I think um, where a lot of runners tend to, Go awry in their own running careers is they get really bogged down with things like stats and heart rates and VO2s and personal bests and numbers. And a lot of people start to lose interest when they get so caught up in what they think they should be doing. And they get caught up in those like really intense goals. And oftentimes those people come in, and often I know they're they're not gonna get that much better because they are so almost like anxious about their running performance that the idea of just like running for fun is like laughable to them. Mm-hmm. And that's how everyone starts running, you know, is they, they again, they want to like it to some point, whether it's for weight loss or, or for their own sort of like personal gains again you have to like what you're doing and so I really wanted to bring that sort of like playfulness aspect into the brand I also wanted it to be really obvious that we are approachable and whether you're an experienced runner um, or a really new runner we're knowledgeable but you can come to us with with any of those ranges of questions you know and mm-hmm. one thing we get asked all the time is like oh I I didn't know that um, you would you would see me. I didn't really think I was a runner. You know, yeah. I only run 5K twice a week, and it's yeah. like, no, like, come on in. We're like, we're happy to help you with any of those things. You know, in fact, I actually prefer working with with more less experienced runners because I find that though it's a bit more rewarding versus a lot of really experienced runners kind of think they already know everything there is to know and uh, (laughs) they're sometimes a little trickier to convince when I'm telling them what they need to be doing or what they need to be changing so uh, yeah so keeping keeping things really approachable was really important to us too Um, and then the flip side of that is also with keeping our team culture along the same lines right so We have goals at the clinic, we have targets to hit, but one thing that's really important to me is that the culture around those goals is it's not a, goal-driven environment, but it's more of a growth-driven environment because if you're focusing more on growth and yep. you're keeping your yourself happy and your energy day-to-day in check, the yep. goals will fulfill themselves. Yep. And so I think um, that was sort of the other part of the branding is like the the back end of it, right? And yep. if your staff feels like that, then the brand is naturally emanated through their treatment and through mm-hmm. people's experience when they come through the doors.
0: Mm-hmm. I I totally love the whole part about culture environment. We're going to chat about that later, but I'm just going to remember to put that uh, Mm -hmm. into my head here. Um, But just hope the whole part about just rehab in general and physio, it's like most of the time when you talk about to, to any lay person, when they think about physio, they're like, Oh, excuse my language, but like, oh, like I, I I don't enjoy physio. It's not fun. You know, it's, 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 they, oh, there's a very kind of negative energy that surrounds it. Right. And it's because people like, obviously with injury, right. They don't want, people don't like being injured. Right. And so the process of recovering from injury, it can be tedious. It can be long, right. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not fun. Right. If we boil it down to it, right. It's not fun. So, you know, you brought, uh, you brought in the whole part about providing the experience for that person, right. Creating making rehab fun, making the process of, of getting better fun for a person. Right. And if someone enjoys, you know, coming to the clinic, if someone enjoys working with a physio, right. Then They're, they're going to they're gonna be a lot more involved in the process. Right. Uh, I know so many times where, you know, I've, I've gone clients from, uh, you know, that had physio elsewhere and they're like, Oh, they just like put on the ultrasound on me and I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't really like, you know, like, I didn't know like what the process of, of recovery was. Right. So to your point of just creating that environment, creating that experience, making things fun. I think that's so, so important. I think that, um, that needs to happen more in our space, mm-hmm. right. With this all other clinics in general. Now we kind of transition to kind of going into your whole physio practice, but I'm really curious as to why running, like what, why did you become a runner in the first place, and and how did that journey start? Because that kind of tie kind of tie things round circle here.
1: It does. That's that's such like a, a great like put a bow on it question. Why running? I don't even know that we know the answer to that yet. But it's something <laughs> I've spent hours and hours thinking about. Um, I was on a podcast a couple of years ago, and uh, the reason that they'd had me on was to talk about running sort of in a cultural sense in that even people who don't identify as runners still run, right? Whether it be catching the streetcar, which is surprisingly quoted as one of like the biggest things that people have a hard time doing when they have pain, at least pre COVID, right? It's <laughs> so funny. Said.
0: Yeah. It's so funny. Cause like I get clients, yeah. like, Oh, I got pain just for, like running to the bus stop or running to catch a TTC. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like you gotta be able to do it. Yeah. Um, field sports, it like the, the basic mode of locomotion in soccer is running. Right. So even people who don't necessarily intrinsically identify as being runners do to some level, especially when they become hurt, mm-hmm. realize that running is a very basic method of moving their body. And so, yes, it's a niche and yes, it is definitely directed at folks who perhaps have other reasons that I can speak about in a second, but it's not maybe as small as people think, you know, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and when, you know, you look at people who are just kind of trying to be healthy and they value a healthy lifestyle, oftentimes the second or third sentence they'll say is like, I'd like to be able to run 5k a couple times a week. And that falls into that same category, for some reason, the 5k and I I yet to figure out what the heck is with this 5k. It's like, so such a strategic distance and psychologically, people love to be able to just like, just go out and run 5k, you know, not four, not six, they want to be able to do 5k. And it's it has this sort of like equivalent meaning and value behind it as like, if I can do that, then I'm happy with my aging body, you know, and then so I think at its most basic, that's that's a why running for a lot of people. Yeah. Um and then sort of the next the next layer of people who they just enjoy running because it's easy, yeah. it's accessible, mm-hmm. um, it's a mental break for them, you know, I think it's, it's sometimes tough to find an equivalent cardio activity that gets your heart rate the way that running does without going to like a paid class at the gym or something like that. Yeah. And it, it has this simplicity thing to it. Right? right. So then there's sort of those people who they just find the, the enjoyment in that. And I think, I think more of us could use that part. Right. Yeah. And then of course the next tier, and this is the, the group people tend to think of when I say I own a, a running physiotherapy clinic is your more competitive guys right so the people that like they have a bit more time goals or racing goals mm-hmm. that being said the sporting life 10k has about 30,000 runners every single year that run it and so I remember when I presented um, my business plan to the bank and I brought that number out and I was like yeah if we had 5% of those people in one year like our business is fine <laughs> yes. you know so Yeah, like there's, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that run. And again, like it's so easy to say, oh, it's a a niche, but it's a, it's a big niche. And it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, And again, that even ties into our approachability point is we want all those people to be able to view us as somebody who can help them in some way, shape or form totally totally
0: yeah it's a niche but it's something that everyone can do right
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the way I see running I wouldn't consider myself as a runner but I run right and yeah. I think that running the activity of running is it's the to me it's like one of the lowest barriers to entry activities that someone can do right
2: yeah you think sure. about
0: sports like I played hockey growing up right so to be able to play hockey you need to have equipment you need to have a stick, you need to be able to drive to the arena you need to have ice available right so the barrier to, to playing hockey is a lot higher right whereas running just pop on a pair of shoes go outside go for a run right i think that to, to me that really uh, that stands out is because you know you can just go outside go for a run clear your mind right i i do a lot for just kind of you know kind of taking care taking care of like the the noise in, in my brain mm. but it's also a way for you to see you know your growth in terms of you know your your uh, kind of personal fitness right and it's really you know like, like let's say you start out with let's say 3k right but your goal is 5k right seeing that progress right that's very tangible right and yeah we had such an amazing dis- uh, discussion so far but uh i would love to chat with you more about this but that wraps up the first part of our podcast today thank you everyone for tuning in to the ptbc podcast hope you enjoyed the episode today Please check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at our website, ptbusinesscorner.com. Feel free to send us a message on social media or email us at info at ptbusinesscorner.com. See you next time.